there. I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially Marketing A Talk. On these special episodes, we take a break from just reading the news and take a deeper look at a specific digital marketing topic. So today, I'm very excited to be joined by a couple of highly esteemed SEO experts and Greg. How dare you? And just like... Just like our famous Friday news shows, you'll be able to catch this episode on YouTube if you want to see the smiling faces of our special guests. It'll be posted on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel. So first we have Casey Gillette, Senior Director of Digital Marketing at the Fabulous Co-Marketing and according to Greg Finn, owner of the world's cutest jog. Thank you. Well, and I was going to wear my Tom Walls shirt for you, Greg, but I wore it the other day, so it's in the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And we are also joined by Cindy Crum, CEO and founder of Mobile Moxie. Thank you so much for being here, Cindy. Thanks for having me. And just for a plug, I also have a very cute dog. Casey is my win. You do. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to look up some pictures. Do you have them on Twitter? Got his own Instagram. I'm trying to make him an internet star. Okay, if I've you're got watching on YouTube, there. you'll see some dog pictures. You'll love it. Updates <laughs> on Instagram. There's my flag. I won't even awesome. plug my company, just my dog. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we are joined by partner and digital marketer at Cypress North and Marketing O'Clock co-host Greg Finn. Thank you for being here, Greg. I had no choice. <laughs> and I will be moderating our discussion about passage-based ranking today. Before we get started, if you are looking for a really in-depth coverage on what passage-based ranking actually is, you should head over to the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel and watch the video, Google Passages, what they are and what they are not. It has Martin from Google, Bartosh, Tomic, and Cindy is actually on it as well. So we're so excited to have her fresh off that webinar. And you guys ask Martin super specific and technical questions about how this actually works. Um, But for the purposes of our show today, we're going to focus more on what this change means for content creators and webmasters and how they can thrive with this new passage-based ranking. Sound good, everyone? Sounds great. So we are going to start touching on this a little bit with what they actually are. Um, Cindy, I'm going to pose this first question to you to explain what passage-based ranking is because you dubbed this type of ranking as fraggles over a year ago, right? So do you want to talk about that a bit? I think it's over two years ago at this point. <laughs> and um, we have not gotten explicit confirmation that from Google that um, passages and fraggles are the same thing. But we have gotten uh, some indications that Martin doesn't like the name passages. Um, so, so perhaps when, and they say that passages haven't even rolled out and I've been seeing fraggles for over two years. So perhaps they're, they're two different things. We don't know, but if they're the same or if they're even similar or related, what, um, what passages might be and seem to be based on the description and what fraggles are that I've been describing is a bit of content, a bit of text that Google overlays a jump link to. Now you could have a jump link there, but if you don't, Google might add a jump link to it so that when you click on it from a search result, they scroll you directly to that piece of the content. And they say it's useful, and they've been talking about this and doing stuff like this in other things as well. And that's kind of how I, part of how I got 
the the idea that this was going to happen two years ago is they started creating this tech that you could just highlight a piece of text on a page and overlay a link to it and i could for instance, text that link to one of you guys. And when you click the link, it would scroll to that piece of text. So that's something that they created and launched years ago. It's a plugin, you can use it right now. And when I saw that, and I saw them talking about stuff like that in Chromium notes, and I saw some of that behavior happening in deep search results, as well as in the AMP featured snippets, which if, you, if you're not familiar with AMP featured snippets, what it is, is it's a featured snippet that happens to be an AMP page. So it's got the little lightning bolt. And when you click on it, it would scroll directly to the text that was in the featured snippet and it would highlight it, which was fascinating because it would highlight sometimes and skip stuff, which speaks to a really deep language understanding. But anyway. Uh, it's just the idea that Google can find a piece of content that's on a long page and link directly to that piece of the page rather than the whole page. Sorry, long-winded answer. No, that's no, that, what we were looking for. That's good. And from a naming side of things, it's a hard passage for me on the term passage. I wish they'd be Fraggles. I love that. Yeah, Fraggles that's is such a, a fun name. Early in the morning. <laughs> I have so much caffeine in me right now. It's unbelievable. Okay. Thank you, Cindy. So let's be clear before we go any further, this is a fundamental ranking change, right? Not an indexing change, Casey? Well, you know, when it came out, um, look, I'm not, I'm not Cindy. So like, I haven't <laughs> been watching these things happen for years. Um, but, and when I saw it launching, I thought, well, this is really interesting. And the first thing I actually thought of was I've seen Cindy talk about this before, right? Like I've already seen this happening. Um, so I, to be completely honest, um, like someone from my team, Andrea, who you, you, you know, you guys have talked to before, um, she had sent it out and I kind of was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I'm already seeing this. Like we've been talking, you know, this is something we've been talking about it. So yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting that it's not being positioned as an indexing change because yeah, like they're already indexing those pages, right? Like we already know, sorry, go ahead. Casey, I just want to point out that nothing is an indexing change according to Google. Right? Well, well, true. It's not indexing. It's never indexing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the point of that, you know, that it's not indexing a new page, like, the way that they're indexing it though, however, is different, right? So yeah, to Cindy's point, you can call it whatever you want. Yes. <laughs> and to me, it seems like they're indexing the same stuff. They're just reorganizing right. how they index it. So we'll right. call it ranking, like whatever. I think that honestly, I've, I've wanted to write a ragey article about how um, people who like like argue with you about whether it's crawling indexing or ranking have no no better thing to say like that it's such a red herring to, to that causes people to focus on something that actually doesn't matter um whether it's crawling indexing or ranking because they have to they happen in a specific sequence but then they happen again right especially with two phase um you know, mobile first indexing, it's a two phase thing. So if something gets missed in the process, if something gets missed in crawling, then it's gonna cause problems in indexing and ranking. And so like getting all up in arms about which one it is, like would, yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's to me always a red herring of someone who has nothing better to say. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and to me is like the non-technical side of, of, of it. I, I like the ability to explain it like pretty easy where where it's like, like I like just being like, hey, it's it's a, it's a ability to have a specific portion of that page rank. And I don't like, I mean, again, it's the page is still there in the index. It, this little section isn't seen as a specific element in there, but it's just like, hey, this portion of the page can now rank and it's it's completely different than the page as a whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, there's a lot of like little nuances in, in the naming. Let me ask you guys, am I way off base? Because I've been told I'm way off base and by very smart people, but Tosh and I have had a long conversation about how important the difference between crawling indexing and ranking is. What do you guys think? Because, because I do think that the, it's interesting how often Google bungles these launches by calling something indexing and then trying to reposition it. I, I think you're completely on base, but you know, I think from, from my side of things, may not as much of a technical SEO and more on the content side of things, what this means from just general webmasters where, you know, if you don't have a full dedicated team, you don't have a huge technical SEO um, issue. It's like, what, how does this impact me is sort of like what I think the way I'm looking at it, you know, where if it's a technical, it, all this stuff is like super important and is really great to get granular with. And I think you did a phenomenal job again, grilling um, and getting all those answers out on that a prior SCJ episode. So I, th I think everything is, is completely warranted and it just, it hits people different, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was going to say, like, I think there's just, as SEOs, we just, we just get so deep into like, well, this means this and you're saying it wrong. Um, you know, I'm kind of on the same boat as Greg here where, you know, I do a little bit of half and half, like the, in the technical side and on the content side. And yes, like I need to understand the difference between crawling, indexing, and ranking, right? But at the end of the day, you know, my content and how I'm building that content, um, it's impacted by those things. Like I need it to be able to be crawled and I need it to be able to be indexed. And I have to write the content that's going to rank. So I need to understand those things. But I don't, there's just, there's too much argument over it. If it so yes, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy for people to disagree as well. I know I'm passionate about this, but I, I just like for for something to rank, it has to be indexed properly. And if we were indexing things differently, you know, or even the same, but we have now a deeper ability to find stuff in the index, that seems like an indexing change. Yeah. Even if it impacts ranking, the downstream impact is ranking, great. Yeah. It, it, it seems like that to me, but I'm not going to say it because I don't want to draw the ire of Google. Yeah, you're here. preaching to the choir here, I'd say, <laughs> at least on this panel. So one of the other big pieces of confusion with this is how it differs from featured snippets. Can you explain that, Greg? Yeah, well, Cindy actually asked this exact question <laughs> from Google, so I'm just going to regurgitate his answer. But in, again, this was on the SEJ um, video that'll be in the show notes and, and linked and everything like that. But essentially they're different systems. So there's a completely different system for featured snippets than what is in the current index and how Google ranks things. So for featured snippets, they look for like a self-contained piece of information um, on a single page and you can have multiple pieces of information on that page. And then that's pulled into when there can be something that's answered, like an instant answer is a featured snippet. Um, and 
it's again, it's a little confusing because when you look at the examples, and this was announced, what, maybe a month and a half ago at the search on, um, the examples they give look really featured snippety. But according to Martin, passages aren't necessarily an answer to a question. And I think that's the big difference. Like if you're looking for feature snippets, it, it should be having that instant answer flavor to it. Um, but passages uh, really is like, he gave a good example. And, and I know Cindy, you have a good example too with, with a garden. But he said, if you're talking about the calories in a cupcake, um, you could, if you can answer that concisely and say, there are this many calories in a cupcake, that's a featured snippet. Um, but if there's a blog post, and this is Martin's example, don't give me any credit for this. Um, if it's like a blog post about just cupcakes of the world, uh, and there's a lot on the page, and, and it talks about all the different calories everywhere, or just all the different cupcakes everywhere, rather. And then at one part, it says, on average, the, cup, the calories in a cupcake are, are between this range and this range, or something like that. That section could be a passage that matches um, and could rank right? That passage could rank. So um, again, it's not a specific answer. And that page isn't necessarily all about calories and cupcakes. It's about cupcakes and it's finding a specific section that could be highlighted. Does, does that make sense? That's to me. Okay. And so I mean, look, I'm just going to add this, that featured snippets do that sometimes, right? Like it's not always a direct answer. <laughs> so like, you might say that and you might get a piece that says, well, the average, you know, the average cupcake has this many calories. And I'm like, that's not what I was asking Google. Right. <laughs> so like, again, overlap. Well, and here's the thing from a tool development perspective, like we run a tool set and I pay developers to build things. And if I know that code already exists in the company, I'll be like, go get that code and use it over there. So it might be two different systems, but it's likely very similar code that's doing the work. And remember the announcements of, of passages and subtopics came in a blog post about AI, right? They're not starting AI code from scratch. They're using what they already have. Great. And so Cindy, did I miss anything between passages and feature snippets that you'd want to add in? No, you got it hundred percent right. And I believe that you believe what you said. I'm just <laughs> not sure I believe it. Yes. I love it. Love a good conspiracy yeah, theory. That, that's where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. So hopefully we have people caught up on what these are. Let's talk about why they are so important. Cindy, I'll start with you. Why do you think this is such a big change? Well, the idea that it came out as part of this AI announcement. AI um, is great, it's the direction that Google wants to go, and the reason they want to go there is because it's uh, less arduous to progress and have machines learn than have uh, humans do things and learn. Um, so this is going to speed up a lot of things, I think. Um, if it goes the way Google plans, it's going to um, make it easier for Google to find uh, content, find and lift or identify or link to or rank um, content on very long pages. That's the main thing. Um, and while Martin didn't, in the, the original discussion, I asked Martin if this was part of um, an effort to de-incentivize thin content. Um, because from an SEO perspective, for years, we've been taking really long pages and going, oh, this is too much 
too many different topics on a page, we need to slice it into many pages. But then that went too far and we had thin content pages. And so I think that even if the webmasters weren't informed of the larger plan, like even if Martin wasn't given the larger plan, I think it was to um, make it so that there's not as much of an incentive to create thin content, but also make it so that Google is better at crawling and indexing uh, progressive web apps, web apps that are all JavaScript, because those come in as just one long page. And that's, I think, what a lot of SEOs are forgetting, is that Google's trying to do more than just websites. And even native apps, Google has code that can take any native app and make it something very easy for them to crawl and index. And I think they're going to start trying to potentially do deep links for webmasters because the, the deep linking guides that they created um, a couple of years ago were just really hard for most webmasters to actually code themselves. So I think they're using this ability to create deep links into native apps, potentially. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that's too much for this audience, but it's, it's speeding up things so that Google can do more um, in faster time and learn more, be more sophisticated. Casey? Yeah, and I think there's an element, well, I was gonna say, I think there's an element of it too, of to give us better information. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, right now, you know, we know there's, there's been, look, there's probably always going to be issues with the, what we're seeing. Right. Um, there was a great article on search engine journal that um, Jamie Alberico did around like disinformation and what SEOs can do. And like, we're kind of like the Kings and Queens of disinformation if we wanted to be right. Um, in the sense of, we know like, how to structure content for like those featured snippets. So I do think there's a sense of, okay, if they're now looking at the content less holistically and more individually, they're able to give us more accurate information. Um, do I think that stops disinformation? Not necessarily, but I think the goal for Google is always, how do I get smarter? How do I give users uh, the information that keeps them on Google? Mm -hmm. And how do we make more money? <laughs> yeah, to make more money. <laughs> Greg, do you have any thoughts to add on the importance of passages? Well, I, I think it's it's beneficial to know that on the, the Search On conference or event that they had, they said it's going to be only impacting 7% of the overall queries when it rolls out here at the end of the year. But that, again, on the show that, that Cindy was on, Martin said that they're only improving ranking for websites having trouble. And if you have a website that ranks well, it really won't impact you. So I thought that that was an interesting note. Um, and, and again, if you think about it, that makes total sense. If you've got one big page and you haven't completely optimized and made little spokes out of all your content and made those thin pages that Cindy's talking about, um, you might be at a disadvantage, you know, because of the way that, that Google ranks a page, not a passage. And now being able to rank a specific section of a page, not just the page as a whole, I think you could see um, some impact for people that have good content but don't know what the heck they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there might have been a little bit of fuzzy math with that 7% because it was 7% of all queries, but um, all queries are in all languages and these are just launching in English. Good point. Good point. And so. if it works, it's just going to be all queries too. So like, let's be real. Right. <laughs> Once it goes well. And, and they say it haven't hasn't launched, but we're seeing pieces of it. So I just, you know, I, I'm now su suspicious of many things. There's a lot <laughs> that I'm not sure about. 
That's why we like you, Cindy. You keep us honest. (laughs) Speaking of content, I want to shift to talk about how this change is going to impact content strategy as a whole. So Greg, we make a lot of content for our clients. Can you cover a few of the most popular content strategies at a high level for our listeners? Yeah, I, th- I think when it comes to content, there, in my mind, there's really like two main ways that you recommend, at least we recommend clients make content, where one is kind of the hub and spoke approach. HubSpot actually kind of like completely ruined it by calling it pillar pages and cluster content, but it's basically you've got like <laughs> one main section and then other supporting articles that, that kind of go off of it. And then this big, you know, let's call it hub, helps to power the spokes and the spokes help to ha- power the, pub, the hub. And then the other one is sort of that backlinko style that, that Brian Dean has had, had kind of come up with the name skyscraper content, where his is one big page and it's everything you need to know ever about a topic. And it is a skyscraper of content. And so, you know, it, from this case, I think you're going to start to see, um, or at least we're probably going to recommend more th- like thorough content, I guess, like just meteor content and not any kind of, of thin spokes. Like obviously you still want to have to make sure that the content, you know, hits a theme and that, um, you know, you, you have a good amount there, but from that hub and spoke, I think people might turn away from that a little bit, especially like Cindy said on that thin stuff. And Casey, knowing that Google will have the ability to rank specific portions of a page, what kind of recommendations will you be making to your clients? Well, I think it goes to what Greg was just talking about. Um, personally, you know, when we started seeing featured snippets, however many years ago, you know, I started deep diving into like what is making these show up, and what we found is, you know, that actual like longer content, that skyscraper type content, that's what we started building. And you know, I have clients that we're still doing that now, and they're dominating featured snippets. But what those pages are, um, it's a mix of everything. But, you know, it it might be tough. So like, here's an example, like I have a client who has like a marketing attribution software. So we have like a what is marketing attribution page. And on that, it has types of marketing attribution, challenges, benefits, tools, technology, right? So it's this really big asset, but we structure it in very specific ways, right? So that your headings and your bullets and we're adding FAQ schema where applicable. Um, So I think again, it's very similar with what we're seeing with passages where you want to structure your content in a way that addresses the questions being answered around that query. So that doesn't fundamentally change the recommendations we're giving clients. It's give your give your um, customers answers to their questions, right? But how you do that, again, has sometimes to be really specific and you need to lay it out in a particular way. So for us, I don't think it fundamentally changes anything. Um, I think it's just more incentive to get our clients to actually write that content um, or to have that more comprehensive content because we do get a lot of pushback on that um i just had a client the other day it was like do people read this i mean yeah part of it but like it ranks really well and you're getting traffic and leads from it (laughs) (laughs) yeah cindy what advice would you give content creators knowing that google passages is rolling out so i totally agree with what casey said she's absolutely right um what i would add to it is we need to lean harder into anything that helps Google 
slice and dice the page. So that is big time heading tags, not having duplicate H1s, having basically using heading tags to nest your ideas so that the H3 is related to the H2 is related to the H1 um, in a really meaningful way that Google is like, ah, oh, this, is, this is meaningful and I already know that this is the right structure. So this is probably good content. That kind of thing is, is really good. And then the other thing I would say and this is maybe, maybe where indexing um, matters is just to say that Google has been very clear many times since the launch of mobile first indexing that there is only one index. And so think about Google's future and what they're trying to do. They've invested very heavily in language understanding and voice understanding. And um, what I was talking about with the deep links to apps um, into deep parts of apps is super relevant um, for things like connected home things like your Google Home Hub. Google wants to do a better job surfacing answers there. And I think this has everything to do with that. Um, and I think that's why Google pushed so hard on all of the different speakable schemas. Notice that the speakable schemas are all question and answer things that you might yell at your Google Assistant. Um, so and they, they didn't have to put how-to schema, FAQ schema, and Q&A schema under the heading of speakable, but they did. That means something. Like someone, if they were trying to keep a secret, they did a very bad job there, <laughs> right? Like, so, so we need to lean into the heading tags and we need to lean into the speakable schema because it's all one index. And if it shows up as a featured snippet, my Google Home Hub can read it. If it has how-to schema, my thing can read it. And so we're gonna see Google preferring the stuff that it super duper understands to stuff that it's not sure about every time. And one thing of note to, to what Casey had said with that content, specifically that attribution article, that's a better web to me. When you've got one piece of content that breaks down everything and you've got pros and the cons on the same page and you're not over SEOing it to break out the pros on one page and the cons on the other and you have to click through a million times, I think there's that freedom. And, and that just hit me, Casey, to your example, like that you get to say, let's do that. Let's implement everything Cindy talked about. Let's get all the right information on there and let's make content that's fantastic. I think there's like a, an element of, of freedom to it. Right, and from the user experience, like that, there's that element and what Cindy just said about the headings and to my client's question of are people reading this, by having those headings, you're not only helping the search engines, but you're also helping the users. Like, yeah, we don't read everything, but if you give me those headings and it's very structured, I can skip to find what I'm looking for. So you're really helping both sides. Now I wanna to pivot to talk a little bit about what this means for webmasters specifically. So Cindy, we know that these are not featured snippets, but they sure do take up a lot of real estate above the fold. And the example given at search on didn't leave a lot of information out of the search engine results page. So how might this impact site performance? Do you mean like site traffic that and refer? Okay. Yeah. Site performance to me is like load time. But site, or site stats, yeah traffic it's, it's potentially huge and i think that we need to buckle up for this change is that google wants to be the presentation layer and uh potentially the transaction layer of the internet and if you say 
I'm going to take my ball and go home and I don't want to play, then that's just all lost traffic. Then you lose all of the traffic. So we, if we, if Google remains the, the search engine of choice, their goal is to monetize all the traffic by doing whatever they can get away with without potentially being evil. Although they did discard that at tagline. No. Long time ago. Yeah, um, so, so I think look at, look at the COVID kind of SERP right now. Um, the COVID SERP, um, any kind of COVID SERP has graphs and toggles and things that you can play with. They're lifting in news articles. It's its own little landing page. Um, and you get that too out of a, a knowledge graph when the Grammys are going on or the Oscars are going on. You get all of this data that Google can pull in, including some like blue link information, but also including other things to make it a really gorgeous landing page. And, and it's hard to argue. They look really good and they find the information usually that you want. And I think that's the direction that Google is going. And so there is going to be traffic loss. Um, and especially thin content pages are going to see traffic loss because Google is, is looking more for the quality signals, which is hard to convey um, in a thin page. You know, I, th I think that this is just a correction. Google often oversteers and then has to come back um on many things not just this and and this is a correction but it's also a correction done by ai so it's going to roll out faster than we're used to um and i think that preparing yourself and preparing your clients uh for the idea that this is not seo and this is not a way to trick people to getting to your page we have to actually provide value and we have to just be marketers and that doing a good job in the SERP is almost as valuable as doing a good job on one of your pages. Casey, what about you? Do you think this will be a good thing for your clients? I love it. Um, I do it. And to Cindy's point right there, like it's better for everyone. And, and you know, my whole perspective on content has always been create content that helps your users, create content that has a goal. Um, and if you're doing that, then it should help. Um, and, and if we think about the information side of things, if you're answering your customers' questions, if you're answering the queries that are being asked, um, yeah, I'm excited because the same thing with featured snippets. I remember everyone was up in arms about how, you know, we're going to lose so much traffic, like Google stealing it. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, when you're like, when my clients are in that featured snippet, like traffic goes through the roof. And so I, I'm expecting to see the same thing. And, and, you know, again, to Cindy's point, like you can't be creating like that thin content or content that isn't useful. Um, so for me, it's a great thing. Cause again, it's just another reason that forces people to write content that's actually valuable. Mm -hmm. Greg, what do you think this will mean for webmasters? Well, I'm going to agree with every, everybody on the fact that the content is going to, it's going to be better for users, right? If you can have that freedom and understand that Google can rank specific sections of the page and, and, and do all that. But I'll, I'll go contrarian on the webmaster side of things, because that example that they gave on the search on conference or event that they had was egregious. They, it, the search query, and it'll be up on, on YouTube, says, how can I determine if my house windows are UV glass? And it shows what it looks like today. And it talks about somebody wrote something that says UV radiation through windows and experiment. And it's, um, it sends people to the page. In the after version, 
I mean, that is multiple sentences answering the, again, it's not an instant answer, right? It's not just a number, but it is big and bold and way above where that link is to click through on the SERPs. So I agree, it's gonna be good for the user, right? That's fantastic. But it's hard for me not to feel bad for people that are going through on doityourself.com, writing this awesome content about how you can tell if your windows are UV glass, and then it's all right there in the SERPs. Like that is where I guess I had I take umbrage with the fact of how passages are displayed and what, what could happen with it. So I don't know, I, there any thoughts on that? I mean, it's another evolution of Google taking things over though, right? I mean, if we think back like five years ago or whatever, when, I, you know, when they started out coming up with instant answers and sites who had dedicated their entire website to like holidays or time clocks or whatever it was where you had to go get that answer, Google kind of crushed that, right? We think about lyrics, um, you know, lyric sites, things like that. Um, it's, you know, you're right. It's just Google taking over more things, um, but we have to evolve. Right, so you just have to evolve, and, and I think we're always going to be evolving. Um, although, Greg, I think <laughs> you and me might be on the side of that. Just at one point, like if you're never leaving Google, <laughs> leaving Google, I think it's going to be tough, and and it might put certain internet industries um, out of business or make them need to pivot. And I think that's already we're seeing um, publishers pivot to online subscription model and um, first click free kind of situations, which I find deeply annoying, but they need to make money somehow. Um, and, or maybe they were making too much money and we need to push back on it. I don't know. Like for instance, the music industry, um, they complain a whole bunch, but they were making tons of money. And, you know, they're making less now. Okay. Um, that's that's for them, but is it better is a better world for us? I don't know. Like these are these are interesting questions where it's like the New York Times was probably making a lot of money. Um, now they're probably still making money but less, but they have a subscription model but less users. That's the business decision. There are gonna be some serious business decisions that are not SEO decisions that need to be made. Yeah, and I think about, you know, and I'm just gonna use this example of like TripAdvisor, like we know what happened to their their site, right? When Google started showing reviews and whatever else. But one of the things that they did that's really cool is they expanded out. So now they have experiences and all these different avenues of ways you can use TripAdvisor beyond how much how it was before, which was just like your standard review. So yeah, people, you have to evolve and you have to pivot. And, you know, it does, it sucks for a lot of people, but I, you know, I think, just as a marketer, you always have to be thinking about what, what's coming and what do I need to be doing next? But let's say for TripAdvisor or for New York Times or anyone who's at a risk, um, I there are ways that they can be publishing stuff that Google can lift into a passage or featured snippet kind of situation and maintain what they've got going for regular internet users. And they can be thinking two steps ahead about how they're gonna integrate with the passage ranking on a Google Home Hub or with the Google Assistant, um, where potentially it used to be first click free for a page or you get half of an article or whatever, uh, potentially Google is going to find a way to do this with uh, gated content. Uh, where they lift the passage and then say, do you want to hear the rest of the article? You know, and where Google, you know, 
works with publishers to make passages from the whole thing available, but not the whole thing available, right? And maybe that's the pivot that keeps publishers alive. I don't know, Casey, do you think that's possible? I mean, we think about, I mean, if you think about it from like a firewall perspective of um, like the times or things like that, that, I think that's the perfect example, right? Like articles are indexed, but you know, I can't see every single one. So I certainly think it's feasible. Um, I guess we'll see if they want to do that or not, right? That's always the difference is, are they, are they going to do that? Do they want to spend their time? Because it doesn't hurt them to not. Yeah. And how long will it take, right? right. And, and I think it might take a while when Google realized, oh, we like, we just don't have any good news to index anymore because no one's <laughs> writing it. But yeah, and again, I love the idea of the passages. This, this execution of what they showed, I think, why wouldn't they why wouldn't they have everything be a passage honestly look look at that example you can get all the information you don't have to leave google why wouldn't every why wouldn't everything be passive we're starting to see the the new serps now where you hover over and get images and more information come why wouldn't everything be passages i i think of it like a restaurant and i gave this example talking to cyrus more than two years ago <laughs> that um i think that there's the the front of the restaurant where everything's presented nice and neat and then there's the kitchen and i think some results where google really understands what it is is going to get the beautiful experience and some results are going to be the kitchen and the kitchen is the blue links right the blue <laughs> links are making the beauty um and there's there's money to be made in restaurants but we it might be different yeah, I mean, we, we see that now. We see that now. Yeah, yeah, I was just doing a search the other day and it was very clear that Google didn't understand the intent of that search and how and what to show. So it was just, you know, a bunch of links with not, that nothing tied together. There were no features, there were no knowledge graph, there was nothing, right? So that still exists. Yeah, it's just going to get bigger and bigger, I think. Have we scared awesome. everyone? Oh my gosh, anyone yeah. watching this? Well, That's I, what I, I was just gonna say. So we might have scared everyone. So does anyone have any th parting thoughts they wanna share about passages or how content creators and webmasters can thrive despite this change? I mean, I would say again, like the things we've already talked about, you know, if you're a content marketer, the focus is creating content that's useful to your users, that's structured in a way that works for Google, that allows Google to crawl, index, and rank that content. <laughs> um, and, and again, I think this just is another opportunity to do that. And so what makes search marketers so valuable, in my opinion, is we can take that content and give you a leg up. So, you know, whether it's adding the structured data to it, um, whether it's adding those headings, you have to combine those things. So I don't think there's anything necessarily like we can't be scared of it, but I do think there's ways that, that we have to adapt and, and make sure we're doing all the right things to prepare. Definitely. Cindy, any parting thoughts? Do the speakable schema things, do the heading things, potentially add your own jump links if it's a really long page. Um, and then look at marking, look at JSON LD and everything that Google is doing with JSON LD because the truth is they don't even want to crawl your page. They just want to ingest the JSON LD. Greg, any parting thoughts? I mean, at the end of the day, I love the ability that Google has given themselves with this, that they are allowing themselves to rank specific portions of a page, not the page as a whole. And I think as a content creator, that should be the one takeaway. Like what Casey's example is, 
make something fantastic that people will love, make sure it's segmented, like everything, like Cindy said, but Google is allowing themselves to rank the best stuff. And we should all like that. Again, we need to be careful as to how much is actually pulling into Google, what that traffic looks like. All those things could have a serious impact on people. But at the whole, like holistically, I think it's an important change where Google just doesn't have to say this one page, it's the best page. We're going to put that at the top. They can choose different sections. So I think it's it's smart, but also scary. Oh, I have one more parting thought. I'm so okay. sorry. Can I include it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, so I, I also don't like this idea of Google saying that it's only going to impact websites that have poor rankings, because if websites that have poor rankings get promoted to the top, that's going to impact websites that have good rankings. Yeah. But then the other ones get to go up, and then the other. <laughs> it's really ridiculous thing to say. That's a good point. Yeah. Everything they say, you got to kind of take with a grain of salt. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today, Casey, Cindy, and Greg. You can catch Greg on Marketing O'Clock every week, rain or shine on Fridays. Greg, where can people contact you if they want to talk more about passages? Uh, at Greg Finn on Twitter or call into the show call.marketingclock.com and we'll be happy to talk. And Cindy Crum is the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie. They have a lot of awesome SEO tools on their site that everyone should really check out. You guys can also catch her in that video on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel if you want to learn more about passages. It is called Google Passages, what they are and what they are not. Cindy, where can people get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter, find too much. So you can reach me at Suzix, S U. Z-Z-I-C-K-S, or if you're from a different country, S-U-Z-Z-I-C-K-S. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll, we will put that in the show notes as well. And Casey Gillette is the Senior Director of Digital Marketing at The Fabulous Co-Marketing. Casey, where can people find you if they want to talk more content? Yeah, same on Twitter, at KCG. Nice and easy. I'm also there far too much. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you guys. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. If you're looking for digital marketing news and a lot of really bad puns, please be sure to subscribe. We release new shows with Jess Budd and Mark Saltarelli every Friday, in addition to these special roundtables, which we are releasing every month. So thank you for listening and we will see you next week.